Welcome to another Precure Prescription for Life podcast. We're here exploring health, life, and everything in between. We're here today with Dr. Karen Zinn and Professor Grant Schofield, and the theme for this episode today is dietary analysis. Tools to help you understand exactly what you and your clients are eating. It's Grant Schofield here, and I'm with Dr. Karen Zinn. Hey, Karen. Hi, Grant. We're going to talk about getting to know your food, how do you know what you're eating? How do you work with someone to figure out what they're eating? Mm-hmm. So how do we do that? I think the best way is to get them to take ownership and to log their food intake on an app. And apps have absolutely revolutionized the way we understand food these days because we've got computer apps, we've got smartphone apps, and they're very, very user-friendly. And all you need to do is enter the food that you eat and it brings up your macros, how much carbs, how much protein, how much fat, how many calories. Some of the apps do micros. And it, it really allows you to see where you're at in relation to where you want to go. So you can do that for yourself or you could do that for a client. It's it's the best way. It's the best homework you can do about your nutrition. And so you're not suggesting people log their food for the rest of their life, but they, how long would you do it for to figure out what's going on? Well, it depends on what the goal is. So So I would say... If somebody wants to change, is committed to changing their diet, I always get them to log to see what's current, what's currently going on, right? So maybe two or three or four days and they get an idea of, okay, weekends are different from weekdays. This is how much carb, protein and fat I'm eating. And then they start making changes and they see the changes in their diet. And then again, you could, you could do it initially for getting a good understanding of where you find nutrients in food. So, and for example, like how many carbs are in a banana or exactly. what's, the, what's the composition of exactly. fruit salad exactly. or, or, and, and the or light cheese bulb sandwich. moment, Yeah, and the light bulb moment people usually have is when they have their, they have their lattes and they go, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize the latte has 15 grams of carbohydrate in it. And those kind of light bulb moments I think are really important. And you might decide, I still want to have three lattes a day. That's absolutely fine. But it's that enlightening, this is, what, this is what I'm eating. This is actually what I'm eating. Yeah, it's really enlightening. So what are your top app picks that you can talk to us about? So there are a range. A lot of people are most familiar with MyFitnessPal. I think MyFitnessPal can be quite inaccurate because it allows you to add foods to the database and you might only add calories in the food and not add the carbs or protein or fat. So it, it gives you some idea but can be quite inaccurate. I really like one called Fat Secret, and it comes uniquely to different countries. So you've got Fat Secret UK, Fat Secret New Zealand, Fat Secret South Africa. And it uses the database from that country. From that country. So it recognizes the foods particular Abs- to that country. Absolutely. That's cool. Then there is My Net Diary, which is really good. There's an Atkins one, and then there is Easy Diet Diary, which is unique to New Zealand and Australia which is based on a standard joint food composition database, which is really good. And you would use these both for initial assessments? You could use them for initial assessments, but a lot of people find that they come back to them from time to time to kind of rein them in. So the classic example is you make some changes to your diet, everything is going well, you're feeling wonderful, and then life gets in the way. You might go to, you might go on holiday, and you come back, and you you're still sort of eating things that you don't really want to eat. And by getting back to tracking just for just for a week, it automatically goes okay. 
got to rein it in. When you see it in front of you in black and white, that's often a it's a it's a reason to to change. It's a what do you call it? A motivational. A talk. motivation or a stimulus to change. So you're using it based as an initial assessment. You can try that out on yourself, and if if you're doing that, that's great. If you want to use it with other people, it's equally useful. And then as a motivational tool from time to time. Yeah, in fact, let me just tell you, there's a really good study that looks at weight loss maintenance and it shows that the people who are most likely to keep their lost weight off long term, doesn't matter what way you used to get the weight off, but the people who are most likely to allow their weight to stay off are the people who regularly enter their food into an app or, or monitor their diet just from time to time and those that regularly monitor their weight. Right. Now, what are you looking for? Someone you've done your own one, or you've just done one on a client. What sort of, what do you, what numbers are you looking at, it, and what's interesting to you? Yeah, it really depends on what the goal is. The classic one is weight loss, and and I will talk about weight loss plateaus here because it's really important. People lose weight, they change their diet, and then all of a sudden they stay at the same weight for four weeks, and they go, you know, what's going on here? And that's a good time to. To look at your to get back to a bit of tracking, and it simply could be that people are eating too many calories. They're sneaking in because they're adding sauces or yeah, and, and many, just too just too much. I think I think people don't really acknowledge the amount that they eat and the frequency that they eat until you track it again. When it's this, there's something powerful about seeing it in front of you. And if you know that you're trying to lose weight, everyone's very different, but if you're trying to lose weight and you're trying to aim for 1,500 calories and you see, you think you're eating 1,500 calories, but actually you're eating 1,800 calories and on the weekend you might be eating 3,000 calories, then you go, whoops, that's not going to get me anywhere. So it can be used as a, as a, as a good wake-up call for, I actually need to eat less. And also things like sugar, like it's hard to imagine any sort of dietary approach from vegan to Mediterranean to low carb, where adding extra sugar is going to be good. Absolutely. So it does it does allow you to actually see how much sugar you're eating, and that can be very powerful. Another area which can be useful for the ones that do macro, sorry, micronutrients is is iron. So if you've got issues with iron, then it's like right. Well, let me. I need to increase my iron. What foods are high in iron? And when you add 100 grams of of red meat in there or 100 grams of muscles, you can see that they very iron rich and that again guides you towards an iron rich diet and if you're doing something that we do a fair bit of which is low carbohydrate diets yeah. then monitoring the total amount of carbs you eat and it's going to be something totally. to keep and that that is it's just brilliant when someone wants to change to a low carb diet you always say well what are you eating at the moment how many carbs are you eating at the moment i don't know we'll track it so they enter, and, and tracking is really good because it forces people to take ownership and, and actually weigh and measure their food for the first two or three or four days. And that might be onerous, but if you really want to achieve a nutrition goal, you've got to put the effort in. So weighing and measuring and putting all your food in, you might go, oh, okay, I eat 300 grams of carbohydrate and I know that I want to drop to 150. Now I know how to yeah, get or there. Or you might want to go to 50 or whatever you want Absolutely. to do, right? So what about this? Something I always struggle with is the difference between these apps have total carbs and net carbs. What's that all about? Oh, I know. Nutrition's here to confuse us. So in the old days, we everyone was on the same page with total carbs. And a total, total carbohydrate is made up of the carbohydrate that is bioavailable to your body, and like the sugars and the starches. 
And it also includes the polysaccharides or the fibers, which are not always bioavailable to everyone's body. So total carb includes all of that, your sugar, your starch, your poly, your non-starch polysaccharides, whereas net carbs is the total carb minus the fiber. So it, it focuses on all the carbohydrate that is bioavailable to your body. So it enters your body and, and functions at the cellular level. Right, because the fiber, if it's could either be go out the other end or or if you've got healthy gut bacteria would be fermented and actually is fermented into fat, which is a different product we'll get yeah, right. So you've got, you've got issues on that. But it's not actually providing calories to your cells and, 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 and to your body. So it's not it it's not absorbed like other dietary carbohydrates. Right, absorbed. because because the bacteria will just use it for energy. Yeah. And, and that's different from other animals like well, I think something like a cow and gorillas are the other studied animals, they'll mm-hmm. ferment a lot of plant fiber yeah. into short-chain fatty acids and yeah. absorb it. And in fact, about two-thirds of a cow's energy comes from fat, even though it's eating grass. Yeah, that's so. right. It's, it's, a, it's an, a very interesting, interesting concept, and I think we don't, we don't think enough about looking after all those little critters that live in our gut. Yeah, microbiome, big area. Yeah. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about is these recommend daily intakes of micronutrients and mm-hmm. these, these apps what's that all about and do we take any notice of them all is it of any use what do you use it for what do you use those for when you're doing a dietary analysis for people so health professionals have these thresholds called nutrient reference values or recommended daily intakes or recommended daily allowances they the terminology varies across countries and these thresholds have been generated from observational studies some from randomized controlled trials some from depletion and repletion studies and for each of these micronutrients you've got a target that you need to meet every day so the recommended daily intake is looking at populations 97 97.5% of populations should be over 100% of that RDI so as an example vitamin C might be 75 milligrams or vitamin B1 might be 1.2 milligrams per day so it gets it but, gets but, quite complicated. But here's the thing yeah. that I don't, I've never quite got. So help me out with this. If I don't eat for three days or I just have something with no vitamin C in it for three days, I don't all of a sudden break out in, in scurvy or some other deficiency. So surely just the it's, it's, if you're getting on average, what's that about? Because you can, you can go a week without eating and, and, and not be deficient in anything, but then re- reabsorb totally. it. Totally. Yeah. So I think the name recommended daily intake is a little bit misleading from that perspective. But when it comes to water-soluble vitamins, I think you need to go without a certain water-soluble vitamin for two to three weeks to start seeing a deficiency state like scurvy or like beriberi or whatever. Whereas fat-soluble vitamins, you don't see a deficiency state until months because, of course, they're stored in your fat stores. So the the recommended daily intake is is a guide. But something else like that's really in high quantities and essential like sodium, Mm -hmm. if you're missing that for just a few days, you actually start to run into some trouble, right? You do. And interesting, sodium is one of those micronutrients that has got an upper limit so the upper limit is 2300 milligrams for us and uh, and we are recommended to reduce our sodium intake so that so that's one that you and I might not necessarily agree with that because we know that sodium is a little bit more complex than it is seen in mainstream medicine 
the epidemiology I've seen with sodium is that if you ate in that or below that range, you actually chip, triple your chance of early death. And if you had uh, slightly higher doses, that's okay. Most people seem to do that, but in fact, in very high doses, you can double your mortality as well. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the typical U-shaped curve, really. So you know, when you look at very, very, very high intakes of sodium, if you are eating whole unprocessed foods, how we suggest people eat you're probably not going to be sitting in that high intake. It's when you're having a lot of processed foods where they add a lot of salt where you're sitting in that very, very high range. And then if you follow the guidelines and not add any salt to food, then you might be in the low category. So the idea is, again, bringing it back to what the main message is, if you're eating whole unprocessed foods, you actually should be flavoring your foods with salt because otherwise you might be too low. And if you, the, the other thing I've always thought about salt, I'm not sure if there's anything in this, but animals in their wild state and humans in a more paleolithic state tend to seek out salt but have it until they feel that they've had enough and then they stop and it's around that yeah. three milligrams a day for humans yeah yeah all right that's really a wrap i guess on on diet stuff can i just add one more thing in just about the rdis they are designed to prevent a def deficiency state right so we need to achieve the 100 percent target so that we don't get to a deficiency state but the rea reality is we want to know how to live optimally we we don't we, we don't want to live just to prevent deficiencies we want to live optimally so it is again it's just a guide and and it's it's often not useful there are no rdis for athletes either so it's a it's a semi-flawed system but it's all we've got at the moment for guidance and we need more science don't we there's really interesting things that there's some of this nutritional psychiatry is discovering that these they do mega doses of mm. of micronutrients and actually see quite positive results and we don't really know what's exactly going on no we don't we don't that is very fa that's fascinating stuff that uh, nutrition and mental health so that's a wrap on dietary analysis, mm -hmm. and I think that's something people can go and seek out those apps, get onto them yourself. That's a great exercise. Absolutely, and, and the ones that I mentioned are just three or four of the range, the wide range out there. So just cotton onto one that you that you really like and that's most user-friendly, and, and get into some tracking for yourself and for your clients.